hey, welcome to Rockbridge Community Church. Welcome you, however you're joining, however you're watching. We've got people watching in physical locations all throughout Northwest Georgia and in the Tennessee Valley. We've got people watching virtually or digitally online. And hey, however you're here, we are glad you're here. We believe you're here, not by accident. We believe God's got something for us in this series that we're in part two of, which is called New Normal. And, and we've talked about this last week. We're all living this, that life as we know it, it is either on pause or is over, and we're not sure which. And all the disruptions, all the interruptions from pandemics to recessions to uh, divisive presidential politics to social unrest to uh, the demise of college football, all of that stuff, right? It, it, we're dealing with it. Plus, as we said last week, life still happens to all of us, right? I mean, you still get uh, bad news about the economy or your job. You still get challenging diagnosis. You still have relationship challenges or money challenges or spiritual challenges. So you add all this up together and, and you look and you're like, God, this is a new normal. How do we navigate it? And that's really the, the genesis of this series is how do we navigate the new normal? And what we're doing is we're navigating together in Scripture through a, a, a prophetic succession in First and Second Kings of the ministry of Elijah to the ministry of Elisha. And both of them, as we saw last week, navigate through some uncertainty and into a new normal. So here's the question to get us going this week. The question is this. In your new normal, in our new normal, what has gotten the bulk of your focus and attention? What gets the bulk focus, the majority of your energy, your attention? When you say, when someone says, hey, what's going on? And, and, and if you're being completely honest and completely transparent, what comes out of your mouth? What's the first thought that has weight in your mind, significance in your heart? And if you think about it, I mean, everybody's going to have an answer, right? Not, not the pretend answer, what's going on, not much, everything's good because you're lying, right? I'm just kidding. But you really would be. What, what gets the bulk of your attention? And, and so the challenge is going to be, and, and what we've got to figure out, is what needs to get the bulk of our focus and the bulk of our attention. Because let me tell you what, what does get the bulk of your focus and attention. It's a what. A, a what. What has happened to me? What has changed? What I'm afraid of? What I'm unclear about? What I'm confused about? what I'm struggling with, what I'm dealing with. It's a what. It's in the category of what, and that gets your focus, and that gets your attention. So if we're going to navigate the new normal, though, we will have to learn to fix our focus. We will have to learn to fix our focus because we can't always control what happens to us, but we can control our focus. We can control our, the attention we give certain things, the attention we give certain issues, certain situations, and certain circumstances. And so as we navigate forward in 2 Kings, we'll be in chapter 2 today, this weekend, and you, you can follow along with me. You can find it on your smartphone or your device, or you can open up uh, your print Bible. But 2 Kings chapter 2 is we're going to see the prophet Elisha. 
navigate in uncertainty. A lot of change going on around him as there's about to be a transition, a major transition in the direction of ministry. And he's about to succeed the prophet Elijah. And we're going to see what gets his focus. We'll join the Word of God in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 1. Here we go. The time had come for the Lord to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah and Elisha. So Elisha is, has been mentored by Elijah. And now the succession is going to happen. Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. So there's a, lot of, there's a focus in the, in the first like eight verses on places. There's four different places that are going to be mentioned. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord is sending me on to Bethel. So we get a second place. But Elisha replied, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now I just want to make an observation here in the text. And an ob the observation is, oftentimes when you and I think about what God's doing, and you think about God's will for your life, and you think about, hey, what all's going on and what has changed, a lot of times we put the focus on a place. We put the focus on, should I live here? Should I go to college here? Should I move here? Should I change jobs from, from job A to job B? Where does God want me? And we're thinking sort of geographically, we're thinking in the category of a what, right? And so in this text, though, what we're going to see Elisha do is he minimizes that. And, and even though his protege, Elijah, says, hey, stay at Bethel, he says, no, I'm going to stay with you. He says, well, why don't you stay in, in, in three or four other places? And every time the answer is the same. And then some of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and they said, do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master away today? Hey, you're a new normal Elijah, who's been a major part of your life and you've been a major part of his ministry, he's about to leave. He's about to end his time on earth. And he said, yes, I know. Be quiet. And, and this story or this same chapter verse kind of repeats itself at two other locations, Jericho and the Jordan River. And, and each time he tries to get Elisha to stay. And each time Elijah, Elisha says, no, I got to stay with you. Now, a couple of things that we're going to see in this story, and we've got to look at the total view of Scripture here. What we're going to see is Elijah is a type of Christ. He's an Old Testament foreshadowing of Jesus. And so he portrays likeness to Christ. He's not Christ. Christ he, there's a greater Elijah that comes in the New Testament that is Jesus. But he shows us some things about Jesus. And this story is just in, full of that stuff. And Elisha is a type of disciple or a follower. So if you are a Christ follower, Elisha has some implications and applications for you and I. If you think you might become a Christ follower or God calls you to be a follower, Elisha is the type, the protege, the example that you and I can learn from. Let's see this in the New Testament. So in the New Testament, Jesus decides to leave for Galilee and he finds some Galileans. He finds a guy named Philip and he says, follow me. Again, the emphasis is not on place, not on position, not on a specific plan, not on a career path. It's on following, being with a person. Luke 5, similar. Don't be afraid, Jesus tells Simon Peter. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land. That was their career. They were fishermen. Left everything and they followed him. And again, so many of us are like, hey, God, what's your will for my life? And we expect him to say a place, a position, a career path. And he says, no, just follow me. 
After this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi or, or Matthew. He sees Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him, Sounds familiar, right? Follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and he began to follow him. And the implications, Old Testament, New Testament is this. Before Christianity is about a plan and a place for us, it's about a relationship with him. And what we see, the pro, what we see Elisha getting right, and what we see is the focus that Elisha maintains, even in the curves, the transitions, the new normal, is an unshakable commitment that Elijah, I've got to be with you. And here's the, here's the focus point. You and I, in our new normal, the temptation is to focus on a what? A pandemic a recession, what they said on social media. The temptation is to focus on what's going to become of football, what's going to become of the fall. Our focus, what you and I choose to dwell on, give attention to, has to be on with. We can be with God. We can maintain intimacy, relationship, closeness, proximity to God. With with, it's the most powerful four-letter word, God with us. Most powerful four-letter word. When God thinks about you, you know what he thinks about? I want to be with you. What did God do to be with you and me? He died in your place so you, you and I, an infectious sinner, could get close to a holy God because Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness so we could be what? With him. See, don't, don't believe this. Do not believe the goal that Christianity is just going to a good place when you die. There we are again, talking about place and place and path. It's about a person with a capital P and being with him. So right now, I want to ask again the question. New normal. What's getting your attention? I can be with God. Because God wants to be with me. Let me take this a step further. Do you know in the New Testament, Jesus never, ever asks someone to become a Christian. What does he ask them to do? Follow him. So I, I, I want to draw a distinction. And I, and I don't say this to be controversial, but I want to draw a distinction. Because I think in our culture, we have taken the word Christian and we've neutered it. We've made it powerless. Because it has nothing to do with the presence of God with us or our desire to be with God. A Christian is someone who maybe does some religious acts like goes to church or at least on Christmas and Easter they do. Maybe they got baptized sometime in their past. Maybe they prayed a prayer, went to a confirmation class. That's a Christian. They got some beliefs about God, about Jesus. You know, and maybe, not, maybe they wouldn't agree with everything the Bible says, but more or less the, the, the big stuff for sure. But a Jesus follower... Which is the New Testament, as we're seeing now, the Old Testament paradigm and perspective is about a relationship and a commitment to keep that relationship vibrant, no matter the time, no matter the place, no matter what changes. If it's Gilgal, I'll be with you there. If it's the Jordan, I'll be with you there. If it's Jericho, I'll be with you there. If it's Bethel, I'll be with you there. God, I don't know what 2020 is going to bring or the back half of 2020 is going to bring, but I know this, I can be with you. And what gets my focus, what gets my attention is W-I-T-H, with you no matter what. That's the focus. Now the story continues, okay? 
Because of Elisha's unshakable commitment to be close to Elijah. And Elijah represents Christ. Elisha represents a follower. Fifty men from the sons of the prophets came and stood observing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took up his mantle, the, the prophetic symbol of the power, the spokesperson for the living God. Rolled it up, struck the water which parted to the right and the left. Then the two of them, and we get this, the two of them, why? Because Elisha's with him, crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. Now, interestingly, he says, hey, I, I want you to ask me for something. It's kind of the blank check ask, right? And that's, that's like exciting. He's like, but you, you are so close with me and I couldn't shake you. And you, your commitment to be with me trumped time, trumped place, trumped transition, trumped everything. And there's a principle there that being with God, being with God, we'll see this, brings power in prayer. Brings power in prayer. And so Elisha gets to ask God for something. Or I'll ask Elijah who represents God for something. Now, again, let's, let's talk about focus. Your prayer list, if you do pray, your prayer list tells what you're focused on. Predominantly. So if we looked at each other's prayer list, I, I would think most of us would have a prayer list of what we want God to do or what we want God to keep us from or what door we want God to open up for us. And there's nothing wrong with praying for any of those things. However, there's a greater focus, right? There's a, there's a more important, more strategic focus. So let's ask Elisha. Elisha, what, what, what did you ask? You got a blank check for prayer. And what did he say? He says, hey, please let me inherit two shares or double portion of your spirit. In other words, it's obvious, Elijah, that God is with you. This is a promise made in Numbers eleven sixteen 16, that the prophets, have, the prophets of God have the Spirit of God upon them. So he says, hey, it's obvious God is with you, Elijah. And if I'm going to succeed you and represent God, Yahweh, to the people, I, I need more of God. I, in fact, I'm asking for more of God than you have. So his specific prayer reflects his unshakable commitment. I just want more with. I want more intimacy with God. I want more power, which comes from my relationship with God. I want what's necessary to fulfill my purpose, which is a vibrant, dynamic relationship with God. Let's stop. When's the last time any of us, honestly, honestly, just said, God, I just need more of you? We've said, God, I need more protection from you. We've said, God, I, I, I'd like a little bit more money from you. God, I'd like a little bit better news when I, when I look at the stock market or when the doctor gives me the report tomorrow. We've all prayed those prayers. Nothing wrong with those prayers. But when is the last time our prayers reflected what should be our dominant desire and our greatest need, which is to have more of God or more with? Because God doesn't want to hold back anything from you. But he will never, ever force himself upon us. And, and this is exactly, remember, this is all Old Testament, New Testament. This is exactly what Jesus taught. He said, hey, if you remain in me, relationally connected with me, 
And my words remain in you. So words and presence of God, faith in the words of Jesus is relationally connectivity, right? Connect, being, being relationally connected. He says, ask whatever you want, it'll be done for you. That sounds exactly like what Elijah said to Elisha. You have been so connected to me, Elisha, that I, Elijah, want to ask you, just ask for anything. It's what Jesus says. And it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. In other words, your intimacy with me opens the door for you in prayer. And you want to be effective in reflecting God, showing God, and bearing fruit for the glory of God. And Elisha understands this. That what we most need to fulfill our purpose is more of his presence. See, a lot of us are mistaken. What we, we think to fulfill our purpose, I need a better news cycle in my personal life. A lot of us think that to fulfill God's purpose, I, I need less of that and more of that. And we're still focused on a what. God says, no, no, no. Elijah teaches, Elisha teaches, no, no, no. If you want to fulfill your purpose, you need more of God in you. You need more of God with you. And that's exactly what Elisha in wisdom prays for. And Jesus implies this, teaches this same principle. In another teaching on prayer, another teaching on prayer, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he talks about a father giving gifts to his children. He says, hey, if you then who are evil or sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the heavenly father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. In other words, the greatest and the best thing God can give you and I is more of God. How, when's the last time anybody here listening prayed for the Holy Spirit in fullness? I, I know we've prayed for the pandemic to go away. I know we've prayed for specific things in our personal news cycle. And, I, and there's, it's 100% acceptable for you to do that. But don't lose your focus. And don't lose what our focus should be. God, we need more of you. Because you've promised you want to be with us. That's why you died. You didn't die just to take us to heaven. When we die... You died to put yourself in us so you would always be with us as we go through normal and new normal and transitions and curves and changes and craziness. And then Elisha, or excuse me, Elijah replies and he says, okay, you've asked for something difficult. And the reason he says this, and this is different as we're going to see than what Jesus says, because Elijah is not Jesus. So Elijah's like, I don't know if I can give that to you. It's not my authority to give you more of God. It's not my call. But I can pray for you and, and I can set this up. So he says, look, if you see me being taken from you, you'll have it. If not, you won't. So he gives him a word. He gives him words, authoritative, prophetic words, which is what we have in the scriptures. He says, hey, if you see me taken when I ascend into heaven, you'll have the double portion, the double spirit. If you don't see me, you won't. That's the best I can do. Which parallels the importance of spiritual sight in the New Testament. Notice one of Paul's prayers. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. 
That you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. You may know what you have when you have God with you. And I pray you can see that. See, some of us sitting here today that have put our faith in Christ, sometimes we just don't know how rich we are. Why? Because you're focused on what you don't have or what's not going your way here on earth that you've lost sight of his incomparably great power and the riches of his inglorious inheritance that you have because you are with him now and forevermore. So we have to fix our focus. We have to fix our focus. Another illustration of this principle of how the Word of God gives us sight to see what we have, trust what we have, is from the life of Mary. Remember God came to her and gave her a new normal? Hey, you're going to be the mother of God. Yikes. And she's like, how's that going to happen? I'm not married. How's all this going to happen? And she questions the angel. She says, hey, how will this be? And look what he says. The Holy Spirit will come on you. Here it is again. God will be with you, Mary, in a special, peculiar, unique, incomparable way. That's how you'll be okay. That's how you'll handle your new, your new normal. It's not going to be easy, but God's going to be with you. And it says, look, and the power of the Most High, so the Holy Spirit is God, will overshadow you. He'll overtake you. For no word from God will ever fail. How does Mary see she gets a word from God? How does Mary know she gets a word from God? And she says, okay, I am the Lord's servant. Servant's actually a weaker word than is the Greek word. The Greek word would say, I am the Lord's slave. I'm submitted. I'm yielded. I'm trusting. God being with me is more than enough for me to navigate my new normal. Mary answered, so he, she says, may your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. So Elisha has a word from God through the prophet Elijah. That if you see me, you'll have the power. You'll have the presence. You'll have more with God. You'll have the double portion. So the question is, will he see Elijah being taken up or not? Verse 11. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire with horses of fire. This is, this is a, a visual symbolization of the power of the prophet. The chariot of fire, the horses of fire. He has the power of God as, as, the, as the Old Testament representative of God to the people of God in Israel. Suddenly appeared and separated the two of them. So, so finally they're separated. Transition in ministry is coming. Then Elijah went up into heaven in the whirlwind. As Elisha watched, so he sees it happening, which means what? He gets the power. He has the power. That's, that's what he knows. He kept crying out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Now, how does he know he has the power of God? He just has a word right now. That's all he's got. There, there's nothing miraculous yet. I mean, there's a miraculous vision or miraculous ascension into heaven. Elijah, Elijah doesn't die. God has the power over death. He's, he's again, he represents, reflects Christ, right? 
But for Elisha, all he knows is he saw, he sees, and the promise was, if you see, you have. If you have the Word of God, you believe the Word of God, you have what the Word promises. So there's no, there's no, there's no like ooey-gooey feeling. This isn't like a trip to Disney World or anything like that. He just has a Word from God. So what happens? When he could see him no longer, he took, hold of, he took hold of his own clothes, tore them in two. Old Testament, this custom, mourning, lamenting. It's okay to lament, change. It's okay to lament, hey, I'm sad to see it go. There's things that have left us. There's things that we're all dealing with. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. Okay, we're not going to be held back by that because God's going to move us into the future because he's with us, right? That's our focus. So he picked up the mantle that had fallen off Elijah. So he says, okay, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the prophet now. He accepts his assignment, trusts that he's got God with him in twofold or a double portion of God. And he went back and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle Elijah had dropped and he struck the water. Now, look at his question. Where is the Lord God of Elijah, he asked. He struck the water himself and it parted to the right and left and Elisha crossed over. So the answer to the question, where is the Lord God? He's on Elisha. He's with Elisha. Miracle. Do you mean to tell you the greatest miracle there is? Besides our salvation, God, holy, pure, all-powerful, made the cosmos Sets the earth on its axis, the stars, the, the sun, designed the leopard, designed the deep. Shark Week, by the way, amazing, right? God did all that. It's a tradition. I have to talk about Shark Week every year, okay? If not, I'll get some texts, okay? So God did all that. He hung on a cross for you, for me, so he could be with us personally in ways that empower us, encourage us, and move us forward. So what Elisha does is he, I'll, I'll call it, he acts with the with miracle. He acts as if God is with him based upon the word of God to him. And what happens? As he acts, God's power, God's presence manifests itself. What I'm going to encourage every person here to do is this. Would you act the miracle? Let me phrase it this way. If you knew that you knew that you knew that God was with you, what would you stop doing and start doing? How would your fear factor be? How bold would you be? What would you say yes to that you're saying no to right now? If we walked out of here, you turned off your device and just said, Hey, I'm going to act the miracle. I'm going to act like the word of God to me is true for me, that God is with me. Game changer, right? No matter what you're facing out there in that new normal land, God's with you. And you and I are miracles of his presence. Listen to how Jesus says it. Because this is the word to us. Elisha got a word just to him. We, if we're a follower of Jesus, have a word to us, for us. And here it is. Jesus says this. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Another means like God. That's the Holy Spirit. To be, there's our word, with you forever. What should get our focus? God is with me. How long? Forever. Does new normal, does forever cover your new normal? Does forever cover 2020? You bet it does. 
God with you forever if you are a follower of his son by faith in Jesus. He is the spirit of truth. Now look what it says. The world is unable to receive him. The people out that aren't following Jesus. Why? Because it doesn't see him. There's that word again. Doesn't apprehend him. Doesn't perceive him by faith in the words of God. But you do know him because he remains with you. And will be in you. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. I, Jesus, Son of God, am coming to you as the Spirit of God. So, so some, some of us, if, if we have moved and given Jesus the steering wheel of our lives, and, and if we're followers, we're acting more like orphans. I want us to act the miracle. God's with you, in you, forever. So, so here's the truth, loud. Here's the truth. The word we have from God, which is the with us promise, with us forever promise, is always greater than the what that we're facing. I don't know what you're facing. I know what some of you are facing. But I don't know what everyone's facing. But, but it does not matter. The word you have from God, just like the word to Mary, just like the word to Elisha, just like Jesus to the disciples, I'm not leaving you as orphans. The word you have from God is always greater than what you and I are facing. So your focus has got to shift from what to with. And we can navigate this new normal. Now, let me just tell you something that's true. Let me tell you something that's true. Christian, non-Christian. Hey, I'm not, I'm mad I'm not sure about this, that miracle stuff you just read. Woo, don't know about that. Okay, that's fine. But let me just tell you something that's true of every single one of us that's listening. Every one of us always acts based on the weightiest with. By, by weightiest, the one you, 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 you're focused on the most. So if you and I are focused on fear... That's going to be how you act. You will act, not the miracle, you'll act in accordance with your fear. If, if you are highly frustrated because this season is not going the way you expect, you will act with frustration. If you are angry, if you are cynical, and that has weight, and that anger, and cynicism, and or bitterness, and or confusion, and or doubt, if that's with you, and that's the dominant weight in your psyche, in your soul, in your mind, that's your focus, you're going to act with anger, with frustration, with bitterness, with cynicism. And the people who will know if you're doing it the most are the people you're sitting with, listening to this with right now. Because you'll be like shrapnel to them. Did it to my family this week. So, so everybody acts based on this with principle that I'm sharing with you. Everybody does. Atheist does. Football fan does. Republican does. Democrat does. Christ follower does. The difference for the Christ follower 
is you have a promise that was bought and paid for and backed up by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he is with you forever. Just go out and act that miracle and see what happens. You'll have power. Because you have his presence. And some of us are like, but I don't feel anything. That's not faith then. But I don't, I, I don't feel it yet, Matt. Faith is faith. Feelings come and go. Faith in what? The word of God to you from the God who died for you. Now, how's the story end? It ends with a demonstration. The sons of the prophets, remember Elisha's question, where is God? Takes his mantle, strikes the water, the rivers part. God's with Elisha. They saw him and they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. He's got the presence of God with him. Do you know what the world needs to see from the church? God is with us. God is with us not because different things happen to us. We're all going through this together because we're human beings. It's common to all. God is with us because Jesus died for us so he could be in us with us forever. And that is the difference maker. And that is the difference maker. Act the miracle that God is with you. It's a game changer for your perspective, for your attitude, for your hope, for how you face, how you navigate the new normal. Now let's apply this specifically, okay? There's a lot of talk in, in this passage about the mantle of the prophet. The mantle of the prophet. The, 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 the outer garment that symbolized this is the man of God. You know, Jesus did not give his followers a mantle. He told them to pick up a cross and follow him. And in John 13, he specifically made it real practical. And he said, he took a towel and he cleaned their feet. And our mantle in the New Testament is to serve and show people the love of Jesus. And this is what it looks like to be a Christ follower. Jesus invites us to serve. And, and so... Let's, let's just take this metaphor another step further. If, I, if we're all Christ followers, and not, I know not, of us, not all of us are, but every single one of us has a cause we want to live for. That's common to humanity. That's common to Christians and non-Christians. Jesus gives us the eternal cause, right? But if we looked at each other's towel, would it be nice and neat and folded up and unused? Or would it be kind of dirty and smelly because we've been washing feet? And we've been serving and showing that God's with us. And he's with us as a God who loves us. And we want to show the world around us that a little bit, a fraction of that love. In hopes that they might say to us, why are you different? How do you have hope in a pandemic? How do you, in a recession? I mean, college football, that was like my God and it's gone and you're not. Because God's with me. And we get to answer that question. Listen, Robridge, we, we're going to be the church. And so your campus pastors and campus hosts, we've been talking about BeTheHope.cc, our hope ministry. We're hoping to bring back kids and student ministry the weekend after Labor Day. And we need some people to pick up towels. 
There's countless ways to do that. In one of our campuses, let me tell you a great story, one of our campuses, okay? They had so many people sign up, say, hey, I think I want to get my towel unfolded, get it a little dirty. So many people, the campus had to go out in the community and find more opportunities to be the hope. That's a good challenge problem to have. That shows me the spirit of God's moving and people are saying, I'm going to act the miracle. So I want to give you a little bit of a homework assignment. We won't check next week, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, okay? Three things, three things, okay? Here we go. The first one is this. Would you pray for more with? God, I want more with you. Just add that to your prayer list. If you don't have a prayer list, you can, and Matt, I don't even know what to pray for. Just pray for more of God. That's it. And you can just say it just like that. Amen. God hears it. God hears it. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is just a plea. God, I just want more of you. If you need a scripture, Luke eleven thirteen 13 is where I'd point you. Or just the passage we just read. God, I just want more of you. Because as you, your prayers are indicative of and reflective of your focus. Okay? Just add that one. God, I'm praying for more of you. Pray for more of you. I want to be with you. I want to know you more. I want to have more of you in my life than I presently do. You may not even be a Christian yet, and you can still start right there. You can still start right there. Second, would you pick up your towel? Now, now here's the caveat. Your towel is what you can do when you act the miracle that God is with you. Your towel is what you can do when you act the miracle that God is with you. Some of you are like, man, I'm in a marriage right now and I just can't love her, him. If you act a miracle, you can. God's with you. God's for your marriage. God's for your marriage. There's nobody I've ever marriage counseled. And a, lot of my, a lot of my marriage counseling, it's the bottom of the night, two strikes, two outs, and it ends in divorce. Because they wait too long to ask for help and all that. But there's never been a couple I can't look at and say, God's perfect will for you is for your marriage to last. Doesn't always happen. But act the miracle. Work on your marriage. Some of you are like, man, I, every time the campus pastor gets up here and talks about serving, I, I just talk myself out of it because I just don't think God can use me. Act the miracle. Act the miracle and pick up your towel. Act the miracle. The third thing, last thing, is that you would give weight to with. I know some of us were frustrated I know some of us were confused. I, I know some of us were, were angry, were bitter, were doubtful. I know some of us, we, we've got so much nostalgia for January 2020. I, I know all that. I, I understand. I, me too. I, 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 there's days I'm frustrated. There's days I'm confused. There's days I'm like, I don't even know how to be a pastor in this season. I, I, I get it. But I, we have to give more weight that God's with us forever. He didn't leave us as orphans. And then the last thing I want to say is this. The greatest miracle you need is here, it's available, it's accomplished, and it's offered. God wants to give you himself as your savior from sin and death, as your forgiver, as your leader, and he wants you to be his house or his temple or his sanctuary. He wants to put his spirit in you. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, would you say yes to Christ? Yes to Christ. Go forward publicly in baptism. Share that decision with someone. We'll help you move forward in faith.
For others of you, listen. The greatest miracle. Jesus died for you, yes. Jesus rose for you, yes. Jesus wants to put his spirit in you forever and for you to be with him forever. Yes. Give weight to that in your soul. And let's face the future with hope, with courage, with boldness, with optimism. Because God is with us. Let's pray together. God, I pray your truth weighs heavy in our hearts and brings joy to our souls. God, I pray your truth would invite people to say yes to you for the first time and give you the steering wheel of their lives. God, for anybody who's just saying yes online, in the rooms, I pray that they would just say yes to Christ as Savior, leader, forgiver. Say yes to the Holy Spirit coming in, being with them, in them forever. And I pray, God, they would just share that with someone. God, I pray for people here who, who, who are just struggling. In pain or in confusion or in doubt or in dismay or in discouragement or in disappointment. And God, I've probably touched on every single person listening. And Lord, there's things we're grieving. There's things we're struggling with. But God, in the strong name of Jesus, the power of your word, I pray right now the word of Jesus carries more weight than anything else in this moment, in this season, in this new normal. And that word is, you are with us forever. Thank you for that miracle. May we act it in faith. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.